God answers prayer. What's that? He sends people like you to the bridge. Stop it. <laughs> Xander just led our game time. Xander just led our worship time. And Xander also played this morning at a funeral that we hosted at the bridge. He's pulling triple duty today. So Xander is truly a godsend. God hears prayers, God answers prayers, and he sends timely people into your life exactly when you need them. And also, I'd like to give a huge shout out to Matthew Willis, our tech guy tonight. Yeah, get up for Matthew Willis, please. Without Matthew Willis, there would not be as professional of a live stream as is happening right now via YouTube. Because I literally just wanted to grab a webcam and set it up right here and be able to film this and the worship and the slides all at the same time. But Matthew's like, no, 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 man. We gotta go above and beyond for these students. You need to surround yourself with people like Matthew Willis. People who push you in your spiritual walk. Who want to see the best man or woman of God that you can be. And it's in part, in large part, since I've been here at the bridge, because of Matthew Willis, that he's pushed me both as a man of God and as a professional. I don't know when I'll ever actually be able to call myself a professional. But Matthew, I really appreciate you, man. And Xander, I thank you as well. So, We're jumping into a message tonight called A Stray Dog and a Sovereign God. A Stray Dog and a Sovereign God. Now, how many of you in the audience tonight are pet people? Pet people. You've got a dog, a cat, hamster, gerbil, baby sister. Just kidding. I was the baby brother, so. But tonight's message is called A Stray Dog and a Sovereign God. Now, don't get me wrong, beloved. I love having the opportunity to do lock-ins with you guys. I love having the opportunity to go to Joyland in Lubbock with you guys, to go around Odessa, to go around the Permian Basin and do these fun outreach events. Like the last event that we just had was in Lubbock, Texas, right? What were we doing? We were golfing. Some of y'all were questionable golfers, myself included. But I love to be able to do these outreach type events with you guys. But the best part of my job is having the opportunity to open the word of God and talk about it with y'all. That is by far the favorite part of my job that I get to do with you guys. And I get to do it week in and week out. We get to talk about God together. And all those outreach events, all the fun things that we do, those are literally just excuses to get you to this moment in time right now when we get to open the word of God together and talk about it. Did you know that? (laughs) It's not just about the fun stuff. It's about getting you to the stuff that truly matters from an eternal perspective. This is the most important part of youth group. So please, I ask you that you put your phone on silent or turn it off altogether. Let's be zoned in for the next 20, 25 minutes or so, okay? Let's focus up and let's draw near to God as a result. So tonight's message is called, A Stray Dog and a Sovereign God. Now, when I first moved to Odessa a couple years ago, the first thing that stuck stuck out to me was the fact that there's a lot of stray animals around here. You guys notice that? A lot of stray dogs, a lot of stray cats, a lot of stray other stuff. I'm actually allergic to cats and dogs, slightly more allergic to cats than dogs. But if I ever wanted a cat or a dog, I wouldn't have to look very far. I can just go down the alley behind my apartment complex. Probably a sketchy place to get a dog, right? But I could do it if I wanted it. There's a lot of stray animals around Odessa, Texas. Now, do you ever wonder, 
Does this thought ever cross your mind when you see a stray, this, that, or the other animal? How did that animal get there? Whose animal is that? Does that animal have a home? Does it have a name? Does it have anything? Maybe you look on the, on the ear to see if it has a tag on it with an owner's name, right? Where did this animal come from and who let this animal loose in the first place? The Bible has an answer for us tonight. Now, this verse is talking about a camel. <laughs> okay, it's different in the first century context or when this passage was written. It's different. The principle still applies. The principle still applies. God tells Job, in the book of Job, chapter 39, if you know anything about Job, God puts this man through literal hell on earth, right? And, and Job is questioning the sovereignty and the loving kindness of God, and he's doubting God in this moment. And God rebukes Job. And he shows him just how in control of Job's life he is. And not only Job's life, but the lives of camels as well. If God can care for camels, how much more does he care for every single soul that's in this room tonight? Let's get to the text. Job chapter 39, verses five through eight say this. God rebuking Job for doubting him says this. Who let the wild donkey go free? Who untied its ropes? <laughs> It's a rhetorical question. God did. God let that animal loose. I gave it the wasteland as its home, the salt flats as its habitat. It laughs at the commotion in the town. It does not hear a driver's shout. It ranges the hills for its pasture and searches for any green thing. From our perspective, it looks like that dog or that cat is a stray dog or a stray cat. But not in the economy of God. God is in control of that stray dog and of that stray cat. In fact, he let him loose. He created him and he feeds him and he lets him loose and he puts him in a habitat. And he even allows the animal to laugh at the commotion to come. Some of us get anxious about our lives, right? We're worried about tomorrow. The animals don't worry about tomorrow. They can laugh at tomorrow. They can laugh at the commotion in the town. They trust God more than we do oftentimes. They acknowledge the sovereignty of God oftentimes more than we do. Now, that's what I'd like to talk about tonight. God is sovereign. We've talked about this word in youth group before, but this is a word that we must know, especially in light of coronavirus, especially in light of protests. We have to know the sovereignty of God We've got to know what it means and how it applies to us in our day-to-day -day life. Let's get this definition down pat because we're going to say it a lot in here. God is sovereign over the loose animals. So what does it mean that God is sovereign? Maybe you haven't heard this word before. Let's talk about it. The sovereignty of God means this. God is in complete control of everything that happens all the time. Stray cats, stray dogs, whatever it is, anxiety in your life, a parent's divorce in your life, failing school, underachieving, being a disappointment to man. God is still sovereign in and over and through those situations. Did you know that? Because God is in complete control of everything that happens all the time. 
And this word sovereign is oftentimes used of somebody who's in control of a country, like a king or a monarch. They're oftentimes referred to as the sovereign, the sovereign of that country. In other words, the king or the monarch, the person who's in complete control of that country, right? Well, who's got more ultimate control? The monarch or the king or God Almighty? God does. God is the only true sovereign king of the universe. He is in complete control of everything that happens all the time. Here's a couple things that God is sovereign over, if you're wondering what scripture says about this thing. Because it's on every single page of sacred scripture, the sovereignty of God. Man is not ultimately sovereign, but you know who is? God is. Let's look at three texts that talk about just how sovereign God is. First text is this. God is sovereign over dice. (laughs) Every number that turns up on every single dice in Las Vegas, Nevada on a given night, God is sovereign over that. We don't trust in good luck. We don't trust in a rabbit's foot, right? Those things aren't sovereign. God Almighty is sovereign. Proverbs 16, verse 33 says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision The dice is every single decision is from the Lord God Almighty. He determines what comes out on the other side of that dice. Man can try to count cards or try to get lucky in Vegas, right, and win a bunch of money, but who determines who actually wins? God does. Because God is sovereign even the most infinitesimal things such as dice on a Las Vegas gambling board. Second thing he's sovereign over. He's sovereign over sickness. He's sovereign over the sicknesses that have inflicted the state of Texas or the country at large or the world at large. 2 Samuel 12 verse 15 says this. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David and he became ill. In response to David's sin in this story that this passage is talking about, God causes his son to become sick. And you know what happens at the end of the story? He dies. God is sovereign over death, over sickness. If God wants you to become sick, you're going to become sick. If God wants you to remain healthy, he will make sure that you stay healthy. God is in control. Notice this text does not say that ultimately Satan struck David's son. God is in control. And Satan is just God's Satan. He controls him like a puppet. He does whatever he wants with Satan. Just a jockey. But God is the one who ultimately has the final say. God is sovereign over sickness. And thirdly, God is sovereign over war. God is sovereign over war. Proverbs 21, verse 31 says this. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. What the heck does that mean? Horses, battle, victory, what does that mean? Well, those was, that was the primary means of weaponry back in the day. Horses, chariots. Those were the strongest, most powerful vehicles, if you will. Our equivalents of tanks or helicopters today, right? The horse is made ready for the day of battle. You can prepare your horse. Make sure it's running fast. Make sure it's strong enough. You can do all of these things, but ultimately it's God who decides who wins the war in the end. Because God is sovereign, not the horse. Therefore, we don't put our trust in horses, do we? 
We put our trust in God. We do our homework and we plan and we make sure that the horse is made ready for the day of battle. But ultimately, we can sleep easy at night knowing that the outcome is in God's hands and you humbly must say, God, your will be done. Make your horse ready for the day of battle. That's no excuse not to prepare for your tests. Say, oh, God's will be done. If I'm going to get an A tomorrow, it's just going to happen if the Lord wills it. <laughs> That's how I got D minuses in algebra in eighth grade. Okay? Study hard. Prepare your horse. And then sleep easy on the sovereignty of God at night as your pillow, knowing that God's will will be done in the end. You can trust him with the outcome. Those are just three things that he's sovereign over. You run throughout scripture, though, you're going to see a thousand other things. And I commend that to you to be able to look for when you read your Bibles. Look at this text talking about the sovereignty of God. Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is crazy, by the way. Why are the nations so angry, the psalm says? Why are the people making such foolish plans? Their kings and leaders join together to fight against the Lord and his chosen king. (laughs) This psalm is saying, if you want to fight against God, that's a foolish plan. If you want to live for yourself, you want to live against God, that's a foolish plan. How do you know if your plans are foolish or not? Just see if you want to live for God with your plans or not. And you can decide from there. If your life and your plans are all about you, God is actively working against you, as you're going to see in the rest of this verse. These people who are plotting against God, verse 3, they say this. They say, let's rebel against them. Let's break free from them. Let's break free from God. This man's just holding us back. This God's just holding us back. I want my life to myself. Let's get away from him so I can have some freedom and volition for a change. That's what they're saying in verse 3. Let's rebel against him. Let's break free from him. And how does God respond? Verse (laughs) 4. But the one who rules in heaven laughs at them. The Lord makes fun of them. You think you're sovereign down there? You're not. I'm sovereign. I control the dice in your hands. I control the horse that you're riding. I control the health that you think that I can't take from you in a split second. God laughs at people like that. Why? Because God is in control. Because God is completely sovereign over everything that ever happens, ever. R.C. Sproul says this. There are no renegade molecules in the entire universe. In other words, there is no single molecule that is outside the sovereign control of God. No virus, no germ, nothing. There are no rebellious molecules that God doesn't have his hand on and moving as he sees fit. Not a single molecule. And we don't trust him for our lives. We don't trust him for our college education someday. We don't trust him to give us friends at school. We don't trust him to help us pass the test as we study hard. God controls the molecules on the test that you're taking. We can trust him. We can trust him. So not only is God sovereign, but God is also wise. God is also wise. Because if God is just sovereign and not wise, He's just going to go out and hurt people because he's an idiot. But God is totally powerful and totally wise. He knows the best thing possible. 
He knows the end result that he wants to achieve, and he will achieve it in his infinite wisdom because God is wise. When we think of wisdom, we think of really smart people that we know, right? God laughs at them too. You think you're smart? You think you're smart? Romans chapter 11 says this about the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Paul says this after writing 11 chapters of the book of Romans, and he just breaks out in praise at the end of it in light of all these truths about God. It says this in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. In other words, the ocean of his wisdom is so deep. It's infinitely deep. And not only is it infinitely deep, but it's infinitely wide. It doesn't end. It's rich. It's deep. It's expansive. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Paul says. In other words, have you and I ever taught God anything? We don't counsel God. God counsels us. God has never learned a single piece of factual information ever. He's the counselor. We're the counselees. He's the giver. We're the needy people that need to go to God. We don't teach God anything because he's infinitely wise. In verse 35, who has ever given to God that God should repay them? Who's ever done a good work for God and say, God, you owe me now. I prayed last night. I read my Bible last night. I gave to the poor last night. I'm getting a raw deal here, God. You owe me something now. Who has ever given to God that he should repay you? He does delight in giving good gifts to his children, the Bible says. And he does give us good gifts well beyond all that we could ask or imagine. But God does not owe us anything. We can't repay God back. He gave us his son. The least thing that we can do, the least amount of work that we can do, is by living gratefully to him in return. That's the least we could do. Thank you, God. Thank you. In verse 36, talking about God being sovereign over everything, all times, ever. For from him and through him and for him are most things are some things. Does it say that? No, it does not say that. For from him and through him and for him are all things. COVID, protesting, whatever it is, those things serve God. And he ordains that they come to pass. He permits them to even exist because they're ultimately for God, they're from him, and he allows them to exist by his will, through him. And he closes like this. To him be glory forever. Amen. <laughs> That's the least that we could do. God, you have everything. I've got nothing. To you be the glory forever. Amen. That's the bare minimum that we should respond with to God. But, not only is God sovereign and wise, well, there's one more character trait that I'd like to talk about tonight. God's also good. God's also good. Because if God is sovereign, and if God is wise, he has just enough knowledge and information and power to be a dictator. 
But he's good. He loves his children. He loves his people, the works of his hand. And he knows what's best for them because he is the status of goodness. He is what it means to be infinitely good. He is sovereign, he is wise, and he is good in everything that he does. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all he does. Even when sending a virus. The virus itself is not good. But you know who is good in and through and over and under it? God himself. And he's got good purposes for that virus or for those protests. Because God is righteous in most of the things that he does. Again, he's kind in everything that he does. God is so good and God is so kind, beloved, that it says this. God is even kind to unbelievers. People who hate him, people who spit on his name day in and day out, God is kind to those blasphemers as well. Now, he's not as kind and as good as he is to us as his children, but they are still his creation. And he still shows general love and general goodness and general blessings to them and common grace to them. We have infinitely more grace coming to us. But he still is kind towards them. Psalm 145, that same psalm says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. He is so good to unbelievers sometimes, you guys, that believers get jealous. (laughs) Why are the wicked thriving, God? I'm suffering over here. And it looks like the wicked are thriving, and I want their blessings. I want their family. I want their money. I want their prosperity. And God is loving us even more in our suffering than he is showing love to them in their prosperity. God is good to unbelievers, but he's infinitely better to us as children of God through faith in his son, Jesus. So, God is sovereign. He's in control of everything. He's wise deep and wide of wisdom that he possesses and he's good (laughs) he is sovereign, he is wise and he is good and he has sovereign, wise and good purposes for COVID for quarantine perhaps you're looking at some of these like God how could that be good I was miserable during the quarantine (laughs) he has good purposes for it though protests He's got sovereign, wise, and good purposes for seasons of depression, emotional despondency. Maybe that's what you were like during the quarantine. Maybe you had to battle fits of depression during the quarantine. God's still sovereign, wise, and good, and that he sent that into your life in one sense and permitted it to come into your life so that you can trust him. He's sovereign over government leaders. People who are in political power right now. God has raised those exact people up for this exact season of time. And with one snap of his fingers, he could depose them and bring them down. But he allows them to be in power right now because God has perfectly ordered the universe to fit his sovereign, good, and wise purposes and ends. Trust that God has put the exact people in power that he wants in power right now. We think that we're sovereign and we can vote people in. God laughs at that too. God's purposes can't be thwarted. He's sovereign over political officials. And he's sovereign over death itself. We had a funeral here at the bridge this morning. It was difficult. But the one thing that's going to get this woman through, 
this season of emotional despondency and the death of her mother is trust in the sovereignty of God, that this is his purpose. And it's not just a sovereign purpose. It's not just a wise purpose for this woman, but it's a good purpose for this woman. And therefore, God will see to it that he sees her through this season of life. God also has sovereign, good, and wise purposes for everything that happens at birth. Trust him. Trust him today with your life. So, what does this have to do with us? We talked a lot about God, his character, his sovereignty, his wisdom, his goodness. Where are we in this equation? Let's hone in on this for one last verse. Where is God during seasons like this in our lives? Everything. He's in everything in our lives right now. This has everything to do with us tonight. If you put your faith in Jesus. If you have not put your faith and your trust in Jesus, God is working against you. But if you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus, then God is now infinitely for you and working for your good. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21 through 22 is the verse we're going to close with tonight. It says this. If you wonder why Christ is in control of the universe, this is the reason. Why has God, the Father, put Jesus, the Son, in control of every single molecule of the universe during this season of time? Because of this, it says. Verse 21. He put Christ over all rulers, authorities, powers, and kings. That's everything, every molecule, every political official. Christ, God, he's in charge of this thing. He gave him authority over all this. He gave them authority over everything that has power in this world or in the next world. Not only illness and sickness and protests in this life, but he's also in charge of demons and angels, the spiritual powers of the heavenly realms. God's in power over those things as well. In this world and in the next world, Christ is in control of those things. Why? Let's keep reading. God put everything under Christ's power and made him head or leader over everything for the church. You know who the church is? It's not a building. It's not this bridge structure that we're meeting in right now. It's a body of believers. It's the people that make up Christ's body. If you are in Christ, you are a part of his body and a part of his church. And everything in the universe has been orchestrated for your benefit. Sometimes your parents might ask you, oh, you think you're the center of the universe, huh? That's why you don't want to clean your room or that's why you don't want to get off the Xbox. You think the world revolves around you? Maybe you've heard that phrase before. From a biblical standpoint, not only does the world revolve around us as a church, but the entire universe does. COVID is for the sake of the church. Protests are for the sake of the church. We are the center of the universe and the center of God's every sovereign, good, wise, and perfect plan. We're at the center of it all. That should keep you up at night with excitement. When you think everything's going haywire and these problems will never get fixed, you can not only know that God will solve these problems in the ultimate sense, 
but he's working these problems for the good of his church. The people in this room tonight, he's not working out all these plans for just anybody who drives down the street. He's working these plans together for the good of his people. And that's why Christ is in control of everything. So that he can give everything for the good of his people. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this group. God, thank you that we are the center of the universe in that sense. You are working for our good. Thank you for your good, wise, and sovereign character that even makes this possible, Father. May we lose sleep at night over this glorious truth, pondering this glorious truth, that we are the center of all things. May we trust you with our lives. May we trust you with the madness that's going on in our world right now. Seemingly out of control, God, you know what you're doing right now in heaven? I'm sure you're laughing. People think that they're in control. God, you are in sovereign control. So may we trust you. May we go out and live radical lives for you right now. May we fight against injustices in our communities at large, knowing that you will work this for our good and the good of the church. May we be bold in our witness to our neighbors, to our brothers, our sisters, our family members, whoever it is, God. May we live bold lives knowing that the universe revolves around us. We praise you tonight, Father, for from you and to you and for you are all things. It's your son's precious name that we pray.